0: Lord, I thank you for being in this place and I echo Brian's prayers. I pray that there would be no striving in me but that these words would be your words, that this truth would simply be your truth for your people today. I thank you for this time to meet together and to commune with you. I pray that you would touch each of us um, in a way that you haven't before so that we will live differently as a result because you love us so so tremendously much, God. You, you wish for us to live in a different way when it comes to the spiritual warfare that goes on around us. So bless this time. Uh, we love you. In your name I pray, amen. If you know me at all, you would know that I believe one of the greatest gifts technology has ever given us is YouTube. I love YouTube. YouTube. So much, you guys. It is a problem, probably. But I love YouTube, and not just any and all of YouTube, but specifically the genre of how-to videos (laughs) on YouTube. In just six keystrokes, you are on your way to any corner of the YouTube database to learn whatever knowledge or skill you could possibly imagine. Some have coined the term YouTube University, and I am enrolled at YouTube University. I spend my time learning on YouTube. I don't know if there are two words that I have typed more in conjunction with one another than that of how to. A little bit more about me. I love to learn, which would make sense why I'm enrolled at YouTube University. A couple of years ago, our staff took a StrengthsFinders test with the lovely and talented Kelly Johnson, who attends our church, and one of my top strengths was learner. And I want to read for you the definition of the learner. The learner has a great desire to learn and want to continuously improve. Listen to this. The process of learning, rather than the outcome, is what excites them. That is why you might find me doing two plus hours of research on something that might take me 10 minutes to complete. I'm typically working on something around the house and whether it's upgrading an electrical outlet or improving my workshop organization or how to build a coffee trailer. That's right. If you don't know what that is, look up goodness coffee co shameless plug on it on Instagram. (laughs) how to work on our vehicles, or how to smoke the perfect rack of ribs, which I now have the recipe for if you would like to get it from me. But whatever I, with whatever I'm doing, I want to know the easiest, the fastest, the smartest, the wisest, time-tested, and best practice. And it all starts with two words, how to. And right now, we're in this series on spiritual warfare. And last week, Pastor Aaron really focused on the who of this topic, specifically Satan the devil, what he does and who he is. And this week we're going to cover the what. What is going to help us in this spiritual battle? Because whether you realize it or not, whether you want to be in this battle or not, is not a choice that you or I get to make. Being human simply means that you are smack dab in the middle of an eternal war that is being fought for your soul. God loves you and he did everything in his power to make sure that you and I had the opportunity to be back in right relationship with him the way it was always meant to be in Genesis 1 and 2 before Genesis 3. And in the spiritual realm, God and the Holy Spirit are continually fighting for you. But Satan is gonna do anything in his power to make sure that that connection that that right relationship that you would have with him does not happen. That is the war that you are in. That you are in. Satan wants you to believe that God is not good, that his way is not best. He'll distract you with pleasures. He'll confuse your identity, convincing you that life now is more of a more important investment than eternity with your creator. And so the question then becomes, how to fight this spiritual battle. And not only how to fight this spiritual battle, but how to win the war of my spirit. That is the question. And if we ask that question, but we move from the database of internet and, the, and YouTube to the database of God's word and the Bible, where honestly more of us need to be spending more of our time for answers that matter for the life that we're living right now, If you were to type in how to, how to win the war for my spirit, how to win this spiritual battle, the result that would pop up is the passage we're looking at today. In response to the six keystrokes, how to, the Apostle Paul would respond with six keystrokes of his own, and that would be to put on, as in to put on the armor of God. I want to read for you this passage that we will be covering this morning, starting in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You've likely heard this passage before and it is true that this armor is for you and for me, that it was created by God for you and me to wear. But it actually has a deeper meaning than that because this armor wasn't created for just us. You see, The imagery that Paul is using that the first century readers would have understood, would have had in mind when they heard this analogy given by Paul would be that of Isaiah 59 where the Lord himself is depicted wearing this armor. I want to read this to you. Starting in verse 14 of Isaiah chapter 59, it says, So justice is driven back and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found and whoever shuns evil becomes prey. You see the war going on? The Lord looked and was displeased and there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. The armor of God was worn by God. The thing that Paul is inviting you and I to wear was worn by our heavenly Father himself and it is it is given to us in the form of his son Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the truth. It is his righteousness that has been given to us. He is peace. He is who we put our faith in. Our salvation comes from the work that he has done. And we have the spirit as a sealed inheritance. One scholar states, to put on the armor is to put on the Messiah himself. And scripture affirms this. In Romans chapter 13, it says, rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Put him on. In Galatians 3, it says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ, with the Messiah. And so, to our question, how to, Paul responds, Put on. Put on the armor of God. Now, I cannot cover these six items at length this morning, but I do want to briefly cover these six pieces, these six components of God's armor that we are to walk in, live out, and to put on. The first is the belt of truth, and this was really covered by Aaron last week. It's God's truth that holds everything in place for the believer. Last week, we learned that above all, Satan is a liar, that his native that is his native tongue. And how we combat those lies is simply by knowing the truth. Then there is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is what protects the heart. And our righteousness is twofold. It's the, righteous that is, it's the righteousness that has been given to us by Christ, right, that has been given and imputed to us by Jesus Christ, but it's also what is, what is referred to in the armor of God is how we live out of that righteousness. It is actually the act of living righteously, living as God has called his people to. That is being in right relationship with God and people. It is not omitting the scripture's wisdom and instruction, but actually living by them. That is how you and I put on the breastplate of righteousness. Third is the gospel of peace. Feet fitted with the gospel of peace. And what this this gives us a depiction of is, is what helps us to stand firm. Like cleats being able to help us stand our ground and it also promotes a posture of peace. What we are to bring into this world is the gospel and what the gospel is is not of conflict or of vengeance but that of peace. It is to love your neighbor even when It's hard. It's about loving your enemy. Not Satan, like we're talking about in this series, but those around you who you might consider yourself in opposition with. That is to bring the gospel of peace there. It is what Jesus talked about in Matthew 5. Even when someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. It is in moments, even in moments that call for retaliation to be a bringer of of peace. Then there is the shield of faith, and I want to read for you verse 16 again. It says, "In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one." Now it was intentional by Paul to give this extra description of a shield and, distingu- and extinguishing the arrows of the evil one. Because you see, in Roman culture, the ancient shield was made of wood planks covered with metal, canvas, and leather. And then, they were dipped in water to douse any flames. Because the flames that enemies would often use, or the javelins literally thrown at the Roman army, would not only be, have, have two foot long, these javelins would have two foot long metal um, points on the end, but they would be dipped in pitch and then lit on fire, The threat of fire could cause panic among the troops as a flaming shield would be thrown away, exposing that soldier and the other troops to the fire. The shield would protect the soldier and prevent such panic, especially as soldiers often stood next to each other and locked their shields to protect the group. What this really gives us a picture of is the communal aspect of the armor of God. Yes, you as the individual have been called to put on the armor. But this passage is also talking to the body of Christ as a whole that we as a people group were intended to fight this war together. You were not meant to go out on that battlefield by yourself. That is not what is even being talked about here. It is a war. It is one army versus another, and the army of God versus, is fighting the army of darkness. And so what this really gives clarity to is how we are to link arms, to lock shields with one another, the body of Christ in small group, in community, in relationship with one another, so that we can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. That when a lie comes our way, it doesn't absolutely wreak havoc in our lives, but we would be able to distinguish what is truth And what is lie? The fifth component is the helmet of salvation. And this is really what protects our minds. The knowledge of certain salvation is what brings confidence and peace to the believer. Do you have the mind of Christ? Are you letting him renew your mind by getting in his word and listening to his spirit, communing with him each day? And sixth is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. But we must also take the sword of the Spirit in the sense of depending on what he, the Spirit, helps us use it. Not only did the Spirit give us the scriptures, but he also makes them alive to us or us alive to them. And he equips us with the right thrust of the sword as in God's word to combat the enemy at the right time. Think of a soldier or a gladiator in training, practicing sword thrusts and moves and positions. Now he must practice them ahead of time as if he's going to be a superior fighter at the time of battle. Then he will instantly be able to call which thrust and which position suits that precise moment. He will never be able to use the thrust in the fight if he has not first practiced it. Have you spent time in God's word? Do you know what his truth is? So that when those attacks come, when the lies of our enemy come at us, when they attack you, do you know the truth that is available to you to combat that lie? The sword of the spirit, the spirit that lives in you is what's going to help you lodge those truths so deep in your heart that when those lies come, you'll be able to not only defend yourself, but actually take up and make ground. Now I want to return to those first words in verse 11, to put on. That Greek word is in duo. It's a verb. It means to take action. We have a responsibility in this fight. Although we are putting on Christ, meaning we are putting on his truth and his righteousness and his peace and the salvation that he has attained, the strength, his strength, that's what we're wearing, we're going to let him do the fighting. Although that is true, this strength is something that you and I must actively pursue. It is something that must actively be sought, meaning, we need to put on God's armor. We have a role to play, we have a responsibility to reach out and grab what has been offered to us in duo. Paul gives the command, put on. It is a command. And when I think of a command, I think of a general and a soldier. And when you think of that that relationship, there isn't really room left for choice, right? However, and unfortunately, I think too many Christians approach this passage as optional, as not as much of a command, but as a suggestion or as a passage to be followed only in moments where there is an apparent need for it. Or, they simply have not yet come to the conclusion that the effort required to put on the armor daily is worth its reward. Friends, my heart's desire in this message this this morning is to see us return to a place of approaching this passage not as choice, But as a loving command of how to win in the realm of spiritual warfare. You know, I really do think that our enemy Satan has twisted our understanding and our perspective in such a way that we don't feel the necessity to actively cover ourselves in God's armor. We have our needs met, we are financially secure. We are relationally found by friends and that makes us unaware of the ever-present war going on in and around us each and every day. We've become numb. This is a reality check given by Paul to the church in Ephesus. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Put on the armor of God. And so I wanna combat this lie this morning. I wanna spend some significant time combating this lie this morning with God's truth straight from scripture I want to give you a glimpse of what life in the spirit and putting on the armor of God daily can look like for you and for me you ready John we got some passages we're going to combat the enemy right now and I'm going to let God do the talking and so first the belt of truth without truth you and I succumb to lies. There are those of you in here who struggle with lies like, I'm ugly. I'm imperfect while others are perfect. I am unseen and nobody cares. I'm not pretty unless I feel like I'm pretty. There are some even in this room who who have thought or think this world would be better off without me. There is truth for those of you in this space. Found in Psalm 139, it says, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, this psalmist says. Your works are wonderful. He's speaking to God. I know that full well. He's saying that to himself, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I know your works full well. My question to you is, do you know that full well? Because when you know that truth full well, these lies flung at you, they can't take ground. They won't hold ground because you know what is true. You can identify a lie and believe the truth about who you are and who God has said you to be. Or for example, to bring the gospel of peace. What does it look like for you and me to bring the gospel of peace? Parents, I want you to imagine that gym or that hockey rink I want you to imagine that you're at the tournament, and there's that group of hockey moms or basketball dads who don't speak like life over others, or gossip or slander. You are to be God's hands and feet in that place, but Satan doesn't want you to believe that. You can't, you can't bring the gospel here. You can't live out your faith here. You think. You should pray for the, for the lunch table in between games while the students and parents are sitting there. No, stupid, unwise. You're gonna regret it, not worth it. But imagine bringing the goodness of God, the gospel of peace, letting God do the work in that place. That's available to you. That's available to me. But what's required for us to do that, to be able to, in that moment when that spiritual warfare is happening, when you want to stand up for your faith, when you want to be who God has called you to be, in that moment when it's difficult to be God's chosen, put on God's armor. Or the shield of faith. You know what the opposite of faith is? Is doubt. Have you ever doubted the goodness of God? Have you ever doubted if God can use this for his glory and for his plan? If you say no, Brody, I've never struggled with that, I'm gonna call you a liar, calling you out right now. We've all struggled with that at moments. Truth to combat that lie, 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, even in those moments of doubt, even in those moments when it's difficult to believe, it says he remains faithful, even when we are faithless. He remains faithful. And sometimes when things in life just aren't going right, and when it feels hard to trust in the Lord or his plans, that is where the community of believers comes into play. It's hard to believe what's true. Let me believe what's true for you. Let me show you and, and, and walk with you through this time of doubt or difficulty in your life. This is why the shield is an important metaphor Sometimes it's tough to have faith. So relying on others, literally what's called borrowed faith, is so important and crucial in moments of attack. Or the helmet of salvation. Unfortunately, I see so many students and adults who still believe that they're going to heaven based on their good works, whether or not they are a good person But that is not what scripture teaches you and me. Satan loves for you to be there. Worried, anxious. Am I going to heaven or not? Am I saved? Am I a child of God? Listen, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. That is the truth of the Bible. Listen to Romans 8. It says, no, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, the spiritual warfare, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Certainty of faith brings peace. Certainty of faith brings confidence to you to live out the life that God has called you to live. It is possible to never go another day of your life wondering, am I saved? That is available. But you have the responsibility to to soak yourself in God's word, to listen to his voice, to spend time in scripture daily so that you'll be able to combat that lie that the enemy may tempt you with. And lastly, the sword of the Spirit. It is the Spirit, you guys. It is the Spirit at work in us that is gonna make this possible. It is our offensive weapon. It is through the Holy Spirit that lives in us that does the unthinkable, that fights on our behalf and gives us the insight, direction, and wisdom to lead us through this battle. When you listen to the Spirit, when you take time to listen to the still, small voice each day, that spirit that is powerful, that's gonna lead you in a a way that you maybe never thought, that when you listen to the spirit and obey where he's leading you, things will happen that will blow your mind, quite honestly. And when you're listening to the voice of God, to the Holy Spirit, you know what happens? The enemy's voice gets a lot quieter. It gets a lot less effective. It honestly becomes irrelevant. Irrelevant when you're listening to the Spirit. Romans 8, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Remember, all we're doing is putting on the armor and we're letting Jesus Christ do the rest. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You guys, we know who the enemy is. And now we know how to win. It's by putting on the armor of God. My prayer for us is that we would possess the humility to understand that you and I cannot afford to not put the armor on. Because we have a very real enemy And there is a very real war going on, but you have everything you need at your disposal to win the war, to fight from a place of victory. I think it was during COVID, the band can come back up, there was a group of men meeting virtually. And we went through the book of Ephesians together and this passage really struck us. We were were talking about the the implications of putting on God's truth and his salvation and his righteousness and his peace and what that might look like. And our our beloved elder and overseer, Brent Bills, began texting us each and every morning, men, have you armored up yet? It was his encouragement to the rest of the group. And I want to say for the better part of a year, every morning I received a text from Brent Bills, have you armored up yet? Have you spent time in God's word? Have you spent time listening to his voice? Learning what is true so that you can defend yourself against the attacks of the enemy, the lies of Satan. Have you armored up yet? My question for you, have you armored up yet? And my prayer is not only to ask you that question but that you would have a conviction in your soul, not shame or guilt, but a desire to get into God's word daily, to spend time with him so that you can put on his armor and live out the freedom that he has invited you into in wearing his blessings. Let's worship together.